Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. If your shit doesn't come in, swim out to meet it. My name is Thomas, and I'm here as always with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking this fine afternoon? Dude, I'm good. I'm just polishing off my dark, rich, and sexy Founders Porter. How about you, man? That's what you had last episode, right? Yeah, yeah. An entire I'm, week ago. Yeah, I know, in right? Time. God, it takes Andrew like months to finish a beer. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm actually, I've, I've gone to water. I've become boring. But yeah, today's catchphrase is by Jonathan Winters. Who's that, Andrew? Do you know? Uh, someone famous on the internet. You just go on Brainy Quote and find these? Yeah, I'm just like the first, the first result. I'm like, ah, that's good enough. Listen, guys, no this, is, this, is, this is a public cry for assistance. We need your catchphrases. Mm. Otherwise, Andrew's just trawling through Brainy Quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, if you've got catchphrases for us, uh, we're on Twitter at Money Matters Man, or you can send us an email, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Give us a catchphrase or make Andrew sing something dumb. That's that's totally cool with me. I'm not sure if it's cool with him. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. We'll make it work. We'll get enough beers in him. <laughs> anyway, today we are talking about Andrew's new place. And we're actually going to be going into the anatomy of a real estate deal. And we have got Dean Clark and Gerard Matera, who are the team at GD Group with Cobalt, Bank, uh, Cobalt Banker. And they're the guys that helped Andrew get out of his old tiny place and into his new awesome place. And I have I spent a week in his new place. It's pretty sweet in the heart of Hoboken. And uh, yeah, guys, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. So, Andrew, mm. I guess we should start with your old place, right? Yeah. So you were in your old place. You wanted out of it. Hoboken's got an incredibly competitive real estate market. You know, what were your first steps and what led you to uh, to Dean and Gerard? So, uh, like, the way Hoboken is, is it, you have to walk everywhere. And, like, you're always walking and you're always seeing all these beautiful places. So you're, like, always, like, ah, in, like, five years, I'm totally going to have that awesome place. And it just kind of we, – we went to, like uh, – it was at like a point where our building that we were in was so shitty and we just like hated it so much. We just had to get out. And um, I actually found, uh, I think it was Gerard's name. Uh, he was advertising <laughs> on Zillow. I reached out um, and Dean came over and he was uh, smooth. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the rest is history. But guys, like, can you kind of uh, talk about um, like how we sold our place because I think you did some really cool stuff. Sure, um, we we listed. Can you you're okay with the numbers, right? Yeah, so, you could mention everything. So mm-hmm. how much over asking did we get? Um, we got forty thousand over asking. Yeah. So um, what we so when you're when you're picking a real estate agent, it's really important to pick somebody who has like a proven track record. Um, like really who you work with matters and um, and really who's good with their marketing. Um, so you the marketing that we chose to do is like we do a lot of pay-per-click advertising. We do a lot of Facebook advertising. I remember Dean, when he came over, he was telling this us this. And I, I thought it kind of like blew my mind because most real estate agents like could barely use the computer. I remember when, when I was like trying to rent a place in Hoboken, it was like this old man who, and like I'm sitting at his desk with his tiny monitor and he's browsing their website. And I'm like, I already browsed your website before I showed up. Like, don't, don't waste my time. Or, or they still call it the computer. <laughs> yeah. It, it's ridiculous. Let me just go to our website on the Google here. 
So, um, you know, our market is is pretty aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. and so we try to stay ahead of a lot. Um, so we do a lot of training. We're in a network with, um, like, agents across the country. So we have insights with going into a lot of different markets in the area. And then we all share ideas and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, we try to be ahead of everything. And one of the big things that we do use is, like, Facebook advertising and pay-per-click advertising. We practice different, like, algorithms and stuff like that. Um, and so one of the things that we did for your place was we dropped your property on Zillow as a coming soon. Um, we listed it, I think, like on a Wednesday, and then we had all the traffic go to your house on Sunday. You know, real estate is like when you're buying, when you're selling a home, it's it's not a product, it's a commodity. And the difference is, is like, you know, when you go to Apple, the iPhone is what it is. But when you're selling a commodity, it's like the stock market, it's really perception. So what we did was we forced all the traffic into your open house when we did Facebook advertising for that. Um, and then, like you said, how you met us on Zillow. I own the largest market share on Zillow because that's where most people are today. And so <clears throat> what we do is we bring everybody into that open house. And I think we had, what, like 40 people in the open house that like, day? A little more, yeah. Yeah. I was like, by the way, my apartment was only 701 square feet. So you <laughs> yeah. can imagine even fitting yeah. that many bodies in there. Like, right. So, and that, and then what we do is we, you know, you kind of create this like pent up demand for it and people see other people interested in it and people always want what they can have. And as a result of doing that, I think we got in, I think it was like, what, how many offers was it? We had 11 offers. 11 offers. Total. Wow. Yeah. So and what's great about that is when we're working for a seller, you know, our job as a realtor is to not just get the highest price, but also to get the best terms because we want to minimize the risk as much as possible. So if somebody's coming like $40,000 over asking at the end of the day, you want to make sure that that seller is going to get the 40000 over asking. So you have to make sure that they're like waiving their appraisals and they have the cash to back that up. Um, the other thing people are doing that buyers are doing in this market to get homes because there's so much demand and not a lot of supply is like waiving home inspections and stuff like that. And, uh, and so that's, that's another thing that we did. So we went for the best terms with you. And as a result, you know, it was a smooth transaction. Mm. Hmm. So uh, have you guys only worked in Hoboken, Jersey City? Have you worked in other markets as well? Or? So we do all along the coast, but the primary market is Hoboken and downtown Jersey City because we sell the views of Manhattan. So we'll do Edgewater, North Bergen, Union City. I used to do years ago, I did Queens and Long Island. Um, this is my favorite market. Jersey is a lot better. I have a license in New York and in New Jersey. Um, but the thing that I love about New Jersey's real estate law is that it really protects the consumer. Um, so when a buyer is coming in, they're really protected as well as the seller. And it really makes sure that everyone's treated equally and fairly and that they're protected under the law, which is really good. So okay. I, I know Hoboken uh, was super competitive, um, but like, I don't know if Long Island, Queens, or the other areas you work, are they, like, quiet in comparison? So Queens is busy right now um, because I have friends that work in that area. Long Island, I have to say, out of all the real estate across the country, Long Island's been one of the slowest markets. I mean, it's busy, but it's not, like, doing where it is, like, the rest of the country. I think it's finally picking up, but not where it was. Because I think, uh, like, the strategy that you guys use for my place killed in Hoboken. I mean, we got 40 bodies in there. That's insane. But in Long Island, like, if there's not as much interest in general, like, how do you, like, 
over deliver there? So the the most important thing, so there's two things that really sell a home, right? One is your marketing. Marketing is really, really important. You know, so you really need an agent who's good with marketing. And we're, we, we consider ourselves to be probably the best in our area with that, you know? Like, and we're, like I said, we're on top of everything. Like right now, um, one of the new features I can offer, I own half the market share on Zillow when it comes to videos. So I can actually now take my client's listing and put them on top of Zillow. So when everyone's looking on Zillow, their house is on on top of everybody else's so that's one strategy like you can have as an agent so you want to make sure um, that the person has a good enough business um, that they check out their reviews on Zillow um, and again so and then that's that's one part um, and someone who has a successful business they're not going to be so caught up in that one deal and you'll get the truth from them the mm-hmm. second part where it comes down to is price pricing is really really important what do you mean on the first one someone who's uh, you'll get the real deal, like on the property they're trying to sell. Right. It's just like you know, a lot of there a lot of agents. Some agents do this part time. The average agent sells about four to six homes a year. Mm-hmm. You know, we did seventy six transactions last year. Right. We already have forty transactions under contract and pending. We sold forty homes already so far since January. Wow. So, oh my god. Right. So now these when, aren't cheap homes. Right. (laughs) So when it comes to when it comes to like the deal, like what we really do is we work for the relationship with our client. You know, at the end of the day, we care that our clients are happy. So that's it's really important to like screen. You know, if if you went to a doctor and you asked the doctor, you know, told them that you had a headache and the doctor's like, hey, come on, I'm going to give you surgery tomorrow. You look at him like like he's crazy. (laughs) And I think it's really important for a consumer to sit down with their realtor and ask them questions and, and find mm-hmm. out about what their track record is because that's really important. And um, to get back to your question, the second part is the um, <clears throat> is pricing it. A lot of times people feel that if they overprice their home, they'll get more money. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the opposite of that. Um, like we do a lot of research and it shows that if you price your home 5% above fair market value, you immediately cut off 50% of your buyers. Wow. Right. Yes. So if you had 100 people coming into your house and you were over 5%, like you would drop that number literally down to 50. And we're talking about people that would actually put an offer in on your home. You know, this kind of makes sense to me because if you're, if you're overpricing it when people aren't really on the hook yet, then they're going to weed you out among all the other offers out there. But if you're lower, then they kind of have some chance to come in, fall in love with it. And then you can, like you guys said, you know, do bidding wars kind of stuff. And the competition heats up once they've already kind of like anchored themselves to the idea of living there. Correct. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. We just sold a house last week and um, we interviewed, she interviewed two other agents and the other agents came in there. We listed it at seven seventy five, and the other agents told, oh, I can get you eight fifty, no problem. And sometimes an agent will tell a person a higher price because when the consumer's looking at it, they'll think that that agent will be able to get them the higher price. And um, I'm really grateful like she trusted us. Mm-hmm. And what would happen was she actually went with our price, which was seven seventy five. She was realistic. She knew her property. Mm-hmm. And we did the strategy that we told you. We had 51 people that came into the open house. Um, we had multiple offers. And then we ended up getting her $75,000 over asking. Wow. So it came down to like eight forty, eight forty five, And um, 
if she would have listed at 850, it would still be on the market right now. But because yeah. we went under the market, you open it up to 100% of your buyer pool. And then once you have that competition going on, everybody just puts in their best offer. And whoever wins, whoever comes in the highest, you know, and that's the best way to get the most amount of money for your home. Okay. So, I mean, this obviously works in a highly competitive market. Uh, say you price your home at a lower price point below market value. And for whatever reason, you don't get the offers up to, you know, what you want. Can you rescind the offer? Can you not accept the bids or are you kind of on the hook? Nobody could force you to sell your home. Okay. So even if like you got, even if they came in at asking, you can, you can say that the seller has changed that mind, you know, Um, no one can, no one can absolutely force you. But this strategy works in any type of market. It's like anything else, right? If you were looking for a car, you aren't, you're not just going to walk into one car shop and say, okay, that's the car and walk out. You're going to price that car and you're going to price that car so much with different dealerships that you're going to know more about the car than the actual dealer because he knows all the cars in the place, but you're knowing like that specific model with those features in every car shop so if you're looking for one bedroom that's 700 square feet in a certain street or a certain area you know exactly how much those one bedrooms come so now if a property comes in and it's below that market then you're you're going to go in there and you're going to go in very aggressive because you're going to be like you're going to know that's the deal Mm -hmm. the other thing that's important to know and this you can get from your real estate agent is called an absorption rate. Um, and so in a slower market, we have what's called an absorption rate. So in Hoboken, it goes based upon how many homes are on the market and then how many homes sold within a 30-day so how many, how many homes are on the market in 30 days and then how many homes are sold? And then how many homes you're left with is your absorption rate. So like Hoboken, so in a normal healthy market, it's about three to six, which means it's on the market between three to six months. Once you start getting to the six to seven range, it starts flipping over then becoming a buyer's market. So at three months, you're still at a seller's market. Hoboken's absorption rate is 0.5%. So that means it's right. (laughs) So like we sell most of our listings, like, like the like even last night we we did uh we went into another bidding war. We went 50 grand over asking. We had the place on the market. We, brought everyone to the open house we have it sold in three days with 50 grand over asking and that's because the absorption rate is at 0.5 percent which means there's not enough inventory and there's a whole lot of demand yeah oh man can you use this information to help choose a better time to list your home i mean no one wants to put their home and it just happens that like i don't know it's uh, Christmas and no one's looking for a home. I mean, obviously, you know, Christmas, but it could be a time just people don't buy homes and then yours sits there and looks unappealing. So, so again, it's, it comes down to your absorption rate again, right? Um, but it also, every real estate market is different, right? So you have to know your local market. For example, January's in a, in a lot of markets are not a busy market for us at all. But in Hoboken, it's a very busy month for us. And the reason why is that Wall Street gets most of their bonuses mm. and they take their bonuses oh. and they throw it into real estate. So we get, so January is one of our busiest months of the year. And then that takes us onto this like wave, which brings us right into the spring market. So your spring market is always your highest price. Um, So I can only talk about our market, right? So we're good probably till like May or June 
once the kids come out of school, um, you know, you have your, most families, they go to either Fire Island, they go to the Hamptons, they go to Jersey Shore. So that cuts down some of your buyer pool. Um, so August is usually our slowest month and December is usually our, is our second slowest month. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, around Christmas time. But the opposite of that is, so now, you know January is the busiest month, so most people are waiting till January to put their home on the market, right? Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is there's less inventory in December. So in December, you can have less competition, and then the buyers who are actually looking in December are serious buyers. Mm-hmm. So, and the people that are out there are people who actually need to buy their, like to buy their home. They can't, they can't afford to wait till after Christmas. So I accidentally perfectly timed my sale purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Sweet. <laughs> so I, I'm curious about the, the flip side of this, which is when you're the buyer. Uh, Cause Andrew, I mean, you were also in this situation, you were also buying. Mm. Um, what are some of the best practices or things to keep in mind so you don't, get screwed, end up paying way too much, or I don't know, just fall into common pitfalls. So, um, all right, again, it it comes into certain markets. Um, Every market is different. So, again, I can only speak with my market. Um, In our market, it's it's, as far as, like, getting screwed or paying too much, right? The worst thing you can ever say to somebody is, like, how's the market? And then you're like, oh, the market's great. And... That's not a, a, a right answer, right? The right answer is, well, that depends. Are you a buyer, are you a seller, or are you an investor? Because right mm-hmm. now, if you're a seller, it's a great market. Right now, if you're a buyer, it's a horrible market to have to buy in. Because mm-hmm. as a buyer, you have no choice. If there's multiple offers, it really comes down to how much you love the pace and how much you're willing to you know, pay for that place. Um, and then you're at a point where our buyers in our market, they are waiving their home inspections. They are waiving their appraisals, you know, but if we took the scale back to like around 2009, 2010, when it was a buyer's market, it was the complete opposite. Buyers were going in there and demanding a credit for every screw that was missing in the, in the home. Mm -hmm. So it's just the tables now are turned. So, um, the best way to answer that question in the way that I work with that with my clients or with our clients mm-hmm. is you have to look at the trends, right? So we've been increasingly, we've been increasing an average of about 12% per year, right? So <clears throat> January, again, we shot up again. So each year we've been going up and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. So for the person who's buying now, and even though they're paying over asking, once that price starts to catch up, because now those numbers now become the new comps, mm. and then that price continues to go up. So, like, the place that Andrew bought is now worth more money today than it was when he bought it. Because By a stupidly high amount more. Like, really? I, I almost, like, just, like, refresh the page, <clears throat> like, weekly, because it's, it's ridiculous. Right. Now, because this, before, oh, the, so the Zillow's estimate thing, that's what your house is worth now? No, never rely really on your Zillow's estimate. Um, okay. You know, we know like, <laughs> we know most of the COOs and CFOs of Zillow, and they'll be the first people to tell you, like, that's why you need a real estate agent. Like, if you really want to know your comps, you know, go to your real estate agent and ask them to run the comps for you. It's not that hard, and you can find out. But because okay. the time that he bought was right before the market pushed again, mm-hmm. so since that push, now the prices have gone up again. Okay, so for people like me who don't know what comps means, what okay. is 
Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> your comps are three things. What, pro- what properties that are similar to yours, what they've actually sold for within the last six months, mm-hmm. what they're under contract, like which ones are under contract, and then the ones that are active are also important because that would be your competition if you're going on the market. Mm. So does under contract mean somebody's living there, it's not on the market, or...? If it's under contract, what that means is that that person um, made an offer on that home that was accepted. Okay. And now they're just waiting for them to do what they need to do to get their mortgage, their title, home inspections, and everything else, and they're waiting to close. Gotcha. So it's a home that's not closed on yet, but it's basically off the market because somebody's kind of claimed it. Right. But remember, in an increasing market, prices are different. So like, for example, like the house that I sold that was at 775, which was a little bit below market value, when that place closes at 850, that sets the new precedent of how much that house is worth in that area. Gotcha. Guys, and where's the where's the top? Oh, I'm sorry, Thomas, what, what was your question? I feel like you had I was going to say, uh, when, so when you close on a, on a property at you know a higher price, does that affect the prices of the places around it? 150%. That's why you can't... So like buyers, what's happening... So usually buyers in our market usually have to lose their first choice of a home because Mm -hmm. it it takes them to get burned, to get educated because a lot of times buyers try to use the comps which things have sold um, to judge on how much they're putting a price on in, in the home that they're buying. But because the prices have gone up since those homes have sold, they're not accurate. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so, so usually the data's old basically. The data gets old real quick because what what something closed three to six months ago is different price of what it is today. Mm. So the the appreciation Hoboken is ridiculous right now. Prices are going up. Um can you guys tell that like it will still go up till blah 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 time? Can you guys tell like, oh, this is a peak and we're gonna be in a decline soon? Or is it that like Nostradamus stuff. Um, so again, it's it, to answer to answer that question. It's like looking at a crystal ball. Mm. So I mean, you have to remember, like the real estate market was in the toilet for so long, right? So mm. prices are finally now. I would say you're finally at what the prices would have been 2010 legitimate. If like the market never crashed, like, like the peak of the market was 2008, 2009. Like we're finally now past those prices. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, it's still taking, a, so the, so the way I look at it is like the market is still correcting itself. So the prices are coming up um, and interest rates are really low. So what I foresee happening down the road is interest rates are going to start to go up. And remember, the government's been keeping the interest rates really low because this is what really has moved the economy across the country. I mean, if you think about how many people are employed in just one real estate transaction between like two realtors, home inspectors, attorneys, um, home, you know, Home Depot, painters, there's so many people just involved in one real estate transaction. If you multiply that across the country, I mean, it's really what really pushed the economy up. Mm-hmm. So the government has kept the interest rate low. Um, once those interest rates increase, what's going to eventually happen is this is going to slow down the buying process. And so who really gets affected at that point will be the seller um, because the buyer will still end up making the same payment. It's just going to come off the seller's profit. Right? So it won't. So instead of it. They inc- can't afford as much house because. 
If they get right. four thousand a month, it just buys less home. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Because the interest rate's going to be higher. So, but so eventually, then that will so. So instead of the instead of it increasing like twelve percent per year, maybe you're only increasing three percent, which is a normal market. So we still have to go through that phase where the market really needs to like stabilize and normalize before I see it turning into anything else. If that gotcha. makes sense. Mm. And again, that, the way to judge that is by the absorption rate again, how, how, how your absorption rate is. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, I mean, you just went through this really recently. Besides the market conditions, what are some things that you really had to be cognizant of when you were looking for the new place and going through the deal to buy it? You know, um, I think the, the scariest thing in buying a home is you kind of don't really know what you're going to get. Um, and and I'll, I'll give you an example on the place that I bought, and then I'll give you an example on the place that I sold. Ha <laughs> ha. So okay. I, on the place that I bought, I was in here with the guy who was selling it to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, like, Dean was here, the, the, the owner, Laura, all these people. And the guy's, like, bringing me all around the apartment, explaining all this stuff. And he's like, hey, let's go to the roof. I'll explain roof things. I'm like, sure, I would love to go to the roof. And we're going up the ladder to the roof. And it smells like shit. And I thought he farted in my face. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm buying this home from him and I want this home. So I'm not going to say anything. So I just kind of like, I kind of took it, right? Whatever. Like, and <laughs> so we're on That's the roof. sellers will do. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? What asshole is farting in your face? And uh, so we're, we're on the roof, whatever. And uh, we, we get back into the, the, the place. And uh, they're like, did you guys <laughs> smell that? And I was like, I was like yeah, you know, I, I told the guy. I thought he farted into my face, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and uh, long story short, we were like a little worried because the, the inspector was in there. And he was like, oh, it's fine. All this stuff. And we move in. And uh, it's like maybe like a week in. And it, it smells like, like farts. And then it goes away. And, and then it comes back, and I'm like, oh, God, what is this? And it, it turns out um, there are, like, uh, drains, and they have, like, this, like, uh, trap in it. And mm-hmm. you just need to make sure water's in the trap, and then smell doesn't come up from the sewer into your okay. home. And it's like, that's why toilets have this thing and sinks. And just, uh, there was this, this drain right by the front door that I literally need to pour water into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fixed it. And so that was a really simple problem. My uh-huh. apartment that I sold... <laughs> Uh, just to stay on the line of shit, um, the basement, <laughs> uh, there's, there's something uh, that I learned while living in this place. The laundry's in the basement. You have to go into the basement. And uh, there's something called a backflow valve where uh, when there's like rain and stuff, it, it prevents things from Correct. flowing in the other direction. And I guess they were just too cheap and or lazy to ever buy a backflow valve. Oh, no. And so when it rained, there, there was... Uh, turds in the basement and the thing is like uh you could buy a home and and you would never know that until you move in correct so that was a a really long story whatever but i (laughs) guess like how do you protect yourself against things like this uh yeah is it like a checklist or something there's not 
There's not. I mean, the best answer to answer to that is like only if you buy new construction. You know, you have to remember like when you're buying a home, it, chances are you're not buying a new home. If you're buying a brand new home that's new construction, then then you're going to have like 10 or 20 year warranties on everything in the building from the structure uh, inside. But things are going to come up when you buy a home. That's just the part of being a homeowner. That's something you can never foresee. But like the, it's better to know now than like when it's a really bad storm um having like that backflow <laughs> taken care of um you know i mean that's what it really comes down to but having a really good home inspector um you know that that's really important googling your home inspector make i mean the great thing about today is that you know everything is online you know mm-hmm. and so you know i google you know google your home inspector see your reviews um i know there's a great um there's one i think on truly or mm-hmm. about most of the home inspectors in our area yeah. <laughs> and so like you know you have people that are in there and like I use this home inspector and he was crap and you have the other ones that we use and they're like oh he's really good he's great he's very thorough um, and, and you want to make sure that you vet that person same way you're vetting your real estate agent because it's, it's really really important so what, are some, what are some things you can do to vet your real estate agent you know if, if you're not sure they're as awesome as you guys so so <laughs> Um, definitely I would have, I would definitely have some questions put together, which is great. Um, I would definitely ask them like the, you know, how many homes they sold last year, how many homes have they sold this year? Um, are they on a team? You know, which is really important. Like you, you love Elisa, right? Oh my God. So (laughs) she basically made it not a terrible experience. (laughs) (laughs) So is that someone on your team? Yeah, so she's like our transaction coordinator, and mm. so she literally handles everything to make sure that none of the pieces fall down or nobody drops the ball. So she's okay. in between the home inspector and the attorneys and everything like that, um, just because we want to make sure that when it comes to customer service that we give the best customer service that we can and that the transaction as smooth as possible because a lot of times in real estate, transactions are not always smooth. Um, yeah. So that's definitely. I was going to say, like, and there's a million things that you need to do, like you need to do, and the other person on the other side needs to do, like in synchronization. It's ridiculous. Uh, does everyone have a transaction coordinator? Because that that was a really nice touch, and like I feel like she almost carried the deal for me. Like I just sat back. Correct. Not everybody can afford that. You know, not everyone can afford the amount of money that we spend on marketing. Like, you know, we spend about 15 to 20 grand a month just in marketing alone. So other agents don't have the ability to do that. Um, The other thing, too, is on Zillow, they really do vet the reviews. And you guys wrote us a review on Zillow. So, you know, the legitimate and I would read their, their reviews. Um, and make sure that they have good reviews. The other thing, too, is I would make sure that they are a premier agent on Zillow um, because then that shows you that they're spending some money within their business as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And <clears throat> I have no problem usually when we sit down with our clients um, and put in a pre-listing packet. Like We have no problem if you want to reach out to one of our sellers in the past. We'll give you their phone number with our permission, and you can actually speak to someone who had an experience with them, and, and they, you know, that that comes right out of the horse's mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. really, yeah. sure. Oh, that's cool. I remember uh, for another podcast I, I do, I was doing a episode about how to buy a car, a used car, and I was like, I wonder if you could contact the previous owner of the car, and they're like, No, nah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured you could basically not do that with houses either, but I guess you can. 
Right. Well, like, for example, if I was going to list a home and I, you know, and it was in Hoboken and that seller, you know, had some doubts about listing with us, I can say, hey, and I would ask Andrew, is it okay if I give your phone number to this person and they're looking at, about hiring us mm-hmm. and they just, you know, wanted to have a conversation with you? I mean, who else can give a better testament than a past client? Very yeah. true. And I mean, like, if you get, like, uh, we got 40k above what we even thought we could possibly get for that place. Laura and I were like skipping down the street. <laughs> the same thing with my couple, like from last night. They're like this older couple, and you know the fact that they're getting fifty thousand now over asking, and I'm, I felt so happy. And I was like, I just want you to take a little bit of that money that's extra and do something really nice for yourselves, because like, <laughs> you know, they, they were they were really really ecstatic, you know, and they're they're about to like you know go retire now and, and live off that money. So it's every dollar for them mattered, and we wanted to make sure that we got them the most amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andrew, were you able to uh, get the price down on the place you bought? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think so. I think I paid asking, but I did not pay more than asking. Okay. Which was pretty awesome. And there was a reason for that. Right. Yeah. So why was that? Because I feel like we stole this place. So yeah. again, remember we were, so what we talked about. So the other thing too is there's there's a few factors that sell a home, right? <clears throat> we talked about pricing. He overpriced his home originally and then brought the price down. So he he started when you, when you have your place that's over. Remember we talked about the consumer knows how much things are worth, right? Mm-hmm. So when you overprice something and when you're in a market where things are selling at asking a little bit below asking or over asking, and you're way out there in a price, buyers are not coming in the door. So what happens is, is that property sits on the market and then it becomes what we call a stale listing. And then people start to think like, well, what's wrong with that place? If everything else is selling so quickly, like why isn't that selling? There must be something wrong with it. And then they don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that they weren't paying out a higher commission. So like the standard rate in Hoboken is like two and a half to 3%. New construction is like 4%. And um, I believe they were only paying out 2%. So most agents, again, who sell four to six homes in a year, every dollar they make matters. So if they see a listing that's only paying out 2%, are they going to make sure that's the first home that they show? Maybe that's the home they never ended up showing because they showed 10 other properties that day. Or they're going to push their client into something else. Again, like we said, when you have someone like us, like we do a lot of business, we're not so caught up on the commission, right? So, you know, we do what's right by the client and we use that as an advantage for Andrew. And as a result, there was no one else outbidding him because they were only paying out 2%. So that hurt them. And what happens is a lot of times sellers, they get caught on the commission and what they really need to be caught on is the net bottom line. Mm. Yeah. How much money? Like if we were paying out, for example, if we if we took Andrew's place and we were only paying out two percent, he would not have gotten fifty thousand dollars like over asking more. So like that just wouldn't happen. And so a lot of times when sellers get caught on that commission, well, I don't want to give somebody five percent or six percent. The problem is is that you're gonna pay that six (laughs) percent. Right. And and like so um Najar, uh the National Association of Realtors say that most like for sale by owners, they leave about thirteen percent on the table. Oh wow. So you right. Because if buyer's going to come in and demand it, they're going to be like, you're not paying a commission, give it to me. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Or you could have used that money to market your home to bring in more buyers. 
The other statistic we have is that 80% of the agents that are in the area are not willing to work with a forced sale by owner. And those 80% of the agents, they have most of the buyers that they're working with. Like our areas, even like because the prices are so high, right? Most of us are professionals and our clients work really long hours. They don't want to have to deal with the whole transaction. Like you said, at least it did everything for you. And so what ends up happening is, is that they know the seller is going to pay the commission. So they want a buyer's agent who's going to represent them and they don't want to deal with it. They want to just go to work and have somebody handle all the, all the stuff for them. And then they, it just moves easy for them. You know, so, that's a really good point. My, when I first bought my place, it was just, the real estate agent and he was really shitty and I had to do so much work uh, like coordinating between all the people uh, it was like I, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a transaction coordinator who would do this stuff so it was pretty awesome right and so what ends up happening is is that as a result of that like if you were to go into a real estate office and, and say you're, you're for sale by owner like every agent in that office would like put their head down <laughs> like oh uh, you know they're threatened they think like oh that that person is going to steal their job away from them you know and they're not willing to work with them and so what ends up happening is if you're not opening your home to 100% of your buyer pool, how are you ever going to get the most amount of money from your home when like 80% of those buyers, they're not even coming in the front door? And so it ends up hurting them. What yeah. keeps you up at night, um, whether it be like a buying or a selling transaction? Depends. Uh, well, I mean, what do you mean? Like, do we get stressed out or nervous or stuff like that? Like, yeah, like what... What do you fear would happen in, in a transaction, or what is something that's happened that just really you know what? sucked? I, I could say this from the amount of transactions that we do, and Dean and I were talking about this last night, yeah. which is true. It really comes down to the client's karma. Yeah. So if the clients are like easy breezy, uh, really like cool. Um, their deals just flow really nice. Like my clients that, a normal person, like I, told, I shared, they, they would have went with the agent that told them 850 and they would have mm -hmm. been miserable that whole process. But like everything else, like they got 50 grand, you know, 75 grand over asking, they got the home inspections waived, they got the appraisal waived, they're going to close, they're just sitting there waiting to close now, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but clients who just, their karma is a little bit more rigid. And they trust the agent. <laughs> right. That's huge. Mm -hmm. things things come up and it's like you can just tell like it, it ends up happening and then yeah. you're fighting with um trying to make sure that everything is taken care of and you're going a step ahead to try to secure the deal so that's the, that's the only thing but we know that that's coming in uh ahead of time we, we usually yeah. smell it <laughs> yeah. do you ever turn people down then i do yeah i do yeah, I don't want to work with everybody. You know, I'm not in the business to be miserable. And if we feel that some people are just, you know, I had one person that wasn't nice to Elisa. <laughs> How could they not be? She's wonderful. That's my point. <laughs> and so, you know, we, you know, I said, we're not a good fit. And that's it. Like, if you, if you know, if you can treat people with respect, then, you know, I don't want to work with you. I'm not desperate for a deal, you know. And uh, in... I mean, we love what we do. We, we literally eat, breathe, and sleep it all day long when we talk about it. As far as anything that keeps me up at night, 
I don't know. Maybe my marketing dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the next product. How much is that going to cost? Everybody wants a piece of your. Like that's the other thing too, right? Most 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 consumers think that we get the full six percent or we get the three percent on the back side, and they don't realize that there's so many hands and people. Like everybody wants a piece of that big commission check. You know. You know? Can mm-hmm. you can you like break it down? Because I'll say that when you see the amount. That goes to real estate. And when I first talked to Dean, uh, I'm I'm a shark. Like I, I like immediately I was like, so that fee that you're charging me, that's not real. And uh, you know when he made the entire deal come together, I, I said like if you make this all work, like I'd be happy to pay that. But it still looks like a big number. Could you explain like what goes into that? So when you have your commission check, right? Mm. Um, your broker gets a piece of it. So whatever broker, so we work for Cola Banker, um, which is like, you know, an international brand. So we pay a premium. It's like, you know, we are like, I don't know, the, the we're the largest, we're, we're the largest publicly traded real estate company. Right. So we're actually, if you, if you go to RLGY is our ticker symbol. Right. Um, and we're part of the, of the big parent corporation that owns Century 21, Better Homes and Garden. Um, Corker in, in Manhattan and then also Corker. Right. Well, so well, well, I'm kind of curious though. But why you guys seem to kill it? You know what you're doing. What value do they provide to you? Why wouldn't you just go it alone? It's a good question. It's a great international brand, and people recognize the brand as well as they're on top of technology as well. Yeah. Like they're into data mining things like that. Um, so when it comes down to products that they can offer us. Um, it helps us. Uh, we basically do it so that we have better products to offer our clients. And so, for example, um, if you notice that sometimes you're on Zillow, there's four people on Zillow, mm-hmm. or there's some people just have a single agent on Zillow. So if they're not a premier agent, that listing agent, or they don't have a profile on Zillow, there's three random agents who's on your listing and not the listing agents. Mm-hmm. So our client, our company worked out deals with all these different companies to make sure that no matter what website we're on, that oh. it's only us on our listings. Mm-hmm. So you pay for that. We pay for that as a premium. But now because we're premier agents, we spend a lot of money marketing so that doesn't pertain for us mm. but for other agents it does does that make sense yeah. yeah the other thing too is like we own Corcoran in Manhattan while our company owns Corcoran in Manhattan so we have a great and then we also are in partnership with a company called Cardis which is the largest relocation company in the world um, so they handle a lot of the Fortune 500 relocation companies. Mm-hmm. So when people are coming in and out of Manhattan, which you see that we're so close, they usually come through like Corcoran or through corporate relocation, and they come directly to us. Oh wow! Okay, so, so that, you guys just have a lot of avenues for finding clients. Correct, and also help well to help our sellers get more clients to come to their home. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it allows the net to be bigger. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to go with that. Cool. Well, I think we covered it pretty well, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I think that was awesome. Uh, guys, thanks for coming on. Yeah, seriously, thank hey, you for having us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, guys, if you have questions about this topic or other personal finance related topics, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com is our email address. So you can email us your questions or put them in our community at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. You can join our community of money nerds, and we've got some cool bonuses, exclusive podcast episodes, cool stuff in there. So check it out if you're curious. And lastly, all of our favorite resources, apps, books, things we recommend are in our toolbox. Listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox where you'll find that. So 
guys thanks again for coming on the show and uh we'll talk to y'all next week see you later man thank you thank you yeah Tell your friends about this show.